if you've, if you've just got in, do help yourself to the notes for tonight and one of these um, Steps to Freedom cards. Um, so you need the notes and one of these tonight. Every week, different people have been making um, and coming early to prepare drinks, beautiful cakes for us. Every week, they've been fantastic. Um, I know that'll be almost all of you, or at least many of you, uh, but for tonight and every other week, if you've prepared refreshments for us and uh, thought about how to bless us with um, sweetness and all this stuff, fantastic, thank you so much. We're looking tonight at forgiveness, the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the most amazing things that Jesus has done for us. And in your notes, we've talked about how actually um, that sense that not all is right or as it should be, that sense that things need to be ordered in a certain way and uh, we're very aware of when people uh, transgress against the morals or the social boundaries. Almost every generation has experienced that in some way or another. You go back thousands of years and um, some of the great pagan uh, temples were all about how to be clean, how to deal with that sense that we're not right somehow or the community is at odds with itself and how do we put it right? Today uh, we don't go to the pagan temples, we might go to the psychotherapists or uh, maybe the counsellors. We know that something's not right, something's disordered and we're all trying to feel right and to feel clean and to feel that, um, yeah, I'm whole. And Jesus' way of dealing with sin and evil is he doesn't balance it out with good he doesn't say, well, evil or, or sin is something that you can balance out with enough goodness so that it outweighs the sin. He doesn't say, well, we can just pretend that the sin doesn't exist. We'll just, just we'll sweep it under the carpet. Jesus doesn't uh, say that it doesn't matter. He doesn't simply redefine it by saying, well, you know what, other people might call it sin, but you know what's not so bad, uh, and it, it, it's, it's okay, it, we can see it like this, and in which case it's not really uh, a sin at all. Jesus doesn't do any of that. That's all the human attempts at making that disease go away. Jesus forgives sin. That means that he doesn't brush it under the carpet, he doesn't redefine it. It means that he absorbs the, the pain of it, the punishment of it, the debt of it. He absorbs it into himself. He, if you like, pays the price for it. He, 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 he enters into it himself. He absorbs the shame, the pain and the punishment of the offense into himself. He forgives it. And this is something unique that Christians have. Um, the, um, the forgiveness of sins is something that every religion is trying to work out how to do it. Um, but as Christians, um, our, our gift to the world is Jesus forgives. We can know that we're cleansed through forgiveness I think almost everyone is looking for absolution of some kind, to know that um, I'm okay, to know that whatever's happened in the past can somehow be in the past. 
Jesus forgiving us is the single most greatest gift I think that we've received from God above all else because it's put us right with God and means we can have a relationship with him. We love that. I love that. We've been forgiven. It would be lovely to stay here and relish that and absorb more of it because we need to and we should do. Jesus said, but as the master, so must the servant be. In other words, Jesus has not only died for our sin and forgiven our sin, but he set us an example of what we now are to do. Um, And that's the challenge. I love that Jesus has done it. Now I've got to do it because I'm following in his footsteps. And all of a sudden, it's not always as easy. And it's not always nice. And it doesn't necessarily bring up all those feelings that I get when I know I'm forgiven, when I'm faced with the need to forgive someone else. Unforgiveness is probably one of the biggest and certainly one of the most common strongholds that I think we will encounter because there's so much injustice and living in a world with other people um, means that, that we get hurt and there's so much injustice and pain and how do we respond to that? How do we process all of that pain and all of that sorrow that comes into our lives through the actions of others often? How do we find within ourselves the ability to genuinely free ourselves from the bitterness and the revenge that we find rising up in our hearts? And yet Jesus warns us of the dangers of unforgiveness, of all the Christian disciplines he could focus on in the Lord's Prayer. He has one small prayer. He wants to make it memorable. He wants to give us an example, a model of which to pray. We honour God our Father. We worship him. Hallowed be your name. We ask him for our needs. Give us today our daily bread. There is only one specific act on the pathway of holiness that Jesus refers to, and it is forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's as if Jesus is saying, if you, if you can get that one, the whole holiness thing, everything else, <laughs> will, 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 nothing will be quite as hard or as challenging as forgiving. If you can learn to do that, he says, uh, then the path to holiness is possible. Forgiveness is vital. Jesus told the parable of the unforgiving servant. Do you remember a a master has lent his servant a huge sum of money? The master realizes that his servant can't pay it back. He calls his servant in, pay back what you owe. I can't, he says, give me more time and I'll pay it. And the master says, uh, I tell you what I'll do. He says, I'll tear up the uh, debt that you owe me. It's like written on a, a debit. He says, I'll tear it up. He says, you owe me nothing, go. And that same servant goes out, finds another friend uh, who owes him just a small sum of money. And uh, the man begs him to to give him more time to pay. But the servant says, no, I want it all now. Uh, You owe me, so give it to me. And he has the friend thrown into jail. 
until you can pay back what he owes, which in Jesus' day meant that somebody in your family would have to pay the debt. Because obviously if you're in prison, it's almost impossible to ever pay back the debt. You haven't got the money, now you can't work to get the money. So a friend or a neighbor would come to your rescue and would redeem you of the debt. So this man is in prison and the master hears about it. And in the parable Jesus tells, the master is furious. He calls the servant in and says, I forgave you that whole debt. Could you not have forgiven the one who owed you just a little? And the master says, throw that servant into prison until he should pay the whole debt that was originally owed to the master. That's kind of, I mean, that's in your face, isn't it? You know, what's Jesus saying? Well, I think the first thing he's saying is that unforgiveness puts us in prison. Unforgiveness puts us in prison. It may not be our fault. It may not be that it was anything to do with us, but the fact that someone has sinned against me, the act of unforgiving is like a prison. We put ourselves in it. When we're eaten up with unforgiveness and bitterness and revenge, it's like being imprisoned and our souls aren't, aren't free. And it, it becomes a stronghold. And I, I don't think Jesus is here saying that uh, every time I uh, am angry or upset or even unforgiving towards somebody else, that my forgiveness from God is taken away, that my salvation is lost. I don't think Jesus is saying that. Because actually, my salvation and my forgiveness doesn't depend on anything that I can do or not do. I've been forgiven anyway. Jesus has already anticipated all the sins of the world and already taken them all upon himself, even the sin of unforgiveness. So what's he saying? He's saying that it's like sowing and reaping. Your capacity to enjoy God's forgiveness is limited to the degree that you are able to forgive others. It's not that he, ref- he, he takes your forgiveness away. It's that the benefit to you, the joy of your salvation, the, the, the peace that comes from knowing I'm forgiven with God. He's saying the capacity you have in your own heart to experience forgiveness is directly proportional to your willingness to forgive others. He who's been forgiven much loves the more, says Jesus. It, it, when we... Uh, when we forgive others, it enables us to appreciate even more the forgiveness of Jesus. It's in giving that we receive. Oh, I want to know more of the joy of forgiveness. I want to experience it more deeply. Jesus says, well, you know how? It's in giving that you receive. What do you want to receive? Well, then give. Give it. In giving it, you receive it. It's the law of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you reap. You sow forgiveness. You reap a harvest of forgiveness. Not the forgiveness to salvation, but the, the capacity to enjoy it, to benefit from it, to know it, to, to, to bring you into that place of peace and security with God. I think this is what Jesus is trying to point us to. The power of withholding forgiveness when God intended me to give it is itself exercising a form of power and it creates what um, many people uh, call a soul tie. It's like a spiritual bond because unforgiveness isn't an emotion. Unforgiveness is a spiritual 
reality. It's a spiritual commodity. It's a thing. It isn't just a thought or a feeling. It's just like we've been saying about all these strongholds. They're spiritual in quality. Love, joy, peace, forgiveness. It's not just an emotion or a thought, although it is those things. It, we feel it through those things, but it's primarily it's a power. Unforgiveness is a power. And its power can begin to grow in our lives when we either don't realize the need to forgive or we don't understand the telltale signs of bitterness and unforgiveness in our own hearts. And so we persist in it. But the good news is that we can tear down the stronghold of unforgiveness. And it's something that we need to be alert to because it's so common. I think Jesus knew that. Why he get, put it in the Lord's Prayer. He says, get this right. You get everything right. The scripture is saying that if we withhold from others what he intended us to give, um, that becomes, it, it begins to grow in us. It turns toxic within us. And through repeated thoughts and repeated feelings towards the one who sinned against us, it becomes a pattern. Well, I don't talk to them. I'm negative about them. I don't want to see them. I'm consumed with um, the injustice that they did against me. And the strange thing is that although I was the one sinned against, I find myself more preoccupied with what they did to me, more imprisoned by the thoughts and the feelings that won't go away. And for the person who did it, probably has even no idea what they did and certainly isn't thinking about it as much as I am. And here's the big idea. I think I put this in the notes. This is the big idea. Forgiveness is not about the other person. It's about you and me. Forgiveness doesn't change the other thing. It doesn't change the person or the injustice. It changes me. Forgiveness is, is, is not guaranteed that it's going to make the other person ever see the error of their ways or, or, or come to their senses. There's no guarantee it will ever do that. It frees me. It's about me. I forgive because I want a clean heart. I can't be responsible for what the other person does. I can't be responsible for their sin. I can't be responsible for their injustice. I can't, I can't answer for it. I can't make it right for them. They're going to have to put that right with Jesus. I'm not their saviour. But I, I can deal with my heart. I choose what I let into my heart. I'm the one who opens the doors. Remember Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Even Jesus won't come in unless you let him. You let in to your heart what you choose. Guard your heart, says the writer in Proverbs. It's the wellspring of life. Guard over it, because what you let in comes in, but what you tell to get out gets out, because it's yours. God gives it that self-will, that self-decision that you choose. It lets Jesus in, and it can also choose to pull down the strongholds and expel them from our lives. Forgiveness is about Primarily, it's about me and my heart. It's really important to understand. Christ dies for me as my substitute, and he dies for me as my example. He says, um, when he uh, died upon the cross, he died to his right to justice. He died to his right to revenge, to his right to grasp for the power to save himself. He died to that right and chose the life of extreme trust and total faith.
He chose to trust that God would somehow raise him to new, immortal, dynamic and wonderful life if he chose to die to revenge, bitterness and unforgiveness. And he showed us that he was right. God did come through for him and raised him to new life. And that's the model that Jesus now asks us to follow. Die to your right to revenge. You do have a right to revenge. He says, but die to it. You have a right for justice. He says, but die to it. You have a right uh, for repatriation. But he says, die to it. Because if you do, I'll raise you to a far better life than you would ever have had than if you'd actually got your justice and your just desserts. That does not mean that there aren't occasions when we should seek for justice. It means it's about the quality of our hearts. We can seek and pursue justice. Sometimes it's right to pursue it through legal means. Absolutely. This is about the state of my heart. I can live in a place of unforgiveness, and that is, that's wrong. But I can live in a place of forgiveness because I've genuinely uh, released and decided to die to the debt that's owed me by someone else, even though it may be appropriate on occasions to pursue the justice through necessary means. But it's, it's about the quality of my heart. It's about my heart. So we are called to do this difficult thing of forgiveness. And um, you know what, my friends, it is difficult. <laughs> Um, but it's a discipline we have to encourage each other with. And the thing that encourages me most is some of the great stories of the great heroes. We all have our own heroes. Uh, I grew up in a certain generation, um, impacted through the things I read. So I'm a, I was a Nicky Cruz fan, you know. I'm a God Smuggler fan. I'm a Corrie Ten Boom fan. That's my, uh, that was my forming formation years and my forming uh, heroes of the faith, Corrie Ten Boom. Um, was uh, a prisoner in Ravensbrook, um, herself not Jewish, but uh, swept up with the, um, uh, into the concentration camp that was Ravensbrook and suffered the atrocity of the Holocaust. She writes uh, in her biography um, about an event that happened. Uh, she survived uh, Ravensbrook, but most of her family didn't. She watched her sister die uh, in the camp that she was in. She writes this. I was in a church in Munich and I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a grey overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947 and I had come from Holland to a defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence. They collected their wraps in silence and left the room. But that's when I saw him making his way towards me against the crowd. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. And it came flooding back to me with a rush, that huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the centre of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. The place was Ravensbrook, and the man who was making his way towards me had been a guard, one of the most cruel guards I had encountered. I would recognise him anywhere. And now he was in front of me, 
his hand thrust out. A fine message, Fräulein, he said. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And now I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pockets rather than take his hand. He couldn't remember me. Of course he couldn't. How could he remember one person among thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood froze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. He didn't remember me. But since that time, he said, I became a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fräulein. Again, his hand came out. Will you forgive me? I stood there. I, whose sins had been again and again forgiven, but I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Did he think he could erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed like a lifetime. But I had to do it. I knew that. The message was that God forgives those who have injured us uh, and have hurt us. I knew it only as a commandment. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had had a home in Holland for the victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness somehow remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that, but I have witnessed this firsthand, and still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And woodenly and mechanically, I lifted my hand first to my waist and then held it out to the one outstretched to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. It was like an electric current starting in my shoulder, racing down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth that seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried. I forgive you with all my heart. For a moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even so, I realized it was not my love. I had tried and didn't have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit transforming me in God's love when I simply chose to be obedient to the Master. And um, I kind of think, if this little old lady can do it, I can have a go. That's how I kind of look at it. If she could do it, I can try. Because it's a challenge. And I think we see often that... um, the, the, the enemy tries to provoke a, a cycle in us that we're sinned against um, and then we, we feel pain and hurt and injustice and then that can lead to anger. It's not fair, it's not right, and of, of course it isn't. And then, of course, that leads to destructive behaviours. We said that when we suffer an injustice, we tend to respond either aggressively or passively. So some of us become very withdrawn, uh, very self-deprecating and uh, victimised. Others become angry and um, arrogant and aggressive. 
Some of us will go from one to the other, all in the space of a day. And bitterness and resentment then begins to permeate the soul. And we need to understand that when we get into this, it's not that you become demonized, but the enemy energizes the power of unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment because they are strongholds waiting to be filled with energized power. And the evil one, seizing the opportunity, seeks to bring us into a sense of bondage so that we can't no longer, we can't see ourselves out of the bitterness. We find ourselves making excuses for it and other people should forgive, but you have no idea how hurt I was. And we justify it and make excuses for it. And I do, and probably we're all tempted to do that. And it's how strongholds get built. And every time I fail to forgive, but choose again to go around that cycle of, yes, but if I wasn't the one who did it, they did it to me and it's not fair. Every time I go around that loop again, another wall, another layer of the wall gets built. While we may be victims of sin and injustice, um, the effect is often to produce in us um, these, this cycle um, uh, of behaviours and bitternesses and what we need to do is to go to the very core of those people that either deprived us of the love that God intended or um, that God meant for them to do well to you, but for some reason they didn't. And the way to freedom is to forgive. It's to forgive. Sometimes we can think that if we just go on through the Christian life experiencing more and more of God's love, somehow God's love will sort of squeeze out the unforgiveness. Uh, I know I have pain and I know I have unforgiveness from the past. There are probably things people have done to me, but you know what? It doesn't matter. What I need to do is just constantly soak and bathe in the love of God because the love of God will eventually displace and push out all the unforgiveness. And I think the love of God does push it out, but I think we need to attack it from both ends. I am responsible for what goes into my heart. And one of the things that's led us, as you remember, to transforming life is years and years of uh, Jan and I praying for people um, that the power of the Holy Spirit would touch their lives. Lord, if you would just come with more power, their lives would be sorted out. And we would see breakthroughs and we would see people's lives touched. But we wouldn't always see the transformation that we might have expected, given the evident manifestation of the power of the Spirit upon them. We didn't see the, the fruit or the real change, always, that we might have expected when we see people clearly encountering the power and presence of the Spirit. And we began to realize that the Spirit comes, but he needs us to loose the people that we hold resentments to, the, the injustices and the pain. Jesus says, whatever you loose in heaven will be loosed. You have the power. This is for you to do. There are some things that Jesus says, oh, I, I could do them. And to an extent, he is doing them. But I think he says, you do it. You do it. If you loose someone and let them go from the debt they owe you, Jesus says they will be loosed. You have that power to do it. And that, that's, that's something we're helping each other to do because it is a challenge. 
And sometimes I think I've forgiven somebody, but then I find myself acting out all those patterns that indicate that I haven't forgiven them because I'm still thinking things about them. I still uh, find that same anger rises up in me. That's a telltale sign that there's still more to go. And you shouldn't be despondent. Forgiveness is like peeling an onion. You just have to keep going because there's, there's layer after layer after layer and you're getting deeper and deeper and you're forgiving more and more. That's okay. So long as every time God brings it to our attention, we know to deal with it. I don't know, Jan, we've, we've, we've had to do this in our own lives. I don't know, maybe you think that clergy or pastors lead a charmed life where no one ever does you any harm. I mean, we've had to forgive people over and over because um, in churches, people do get badly hurt. They come with hurts and wounds from their own lives and backgrounds. And then we come together in this huge big community, and we're all trying to love each other, but we all, we're all acting out our stuff all the time. And we wound and hurt other people without often meaning to, but we do. Um, and, and very often, um, the one who gets it is the pastor. Um, and I remember a very painful time in my own life when we began to explore all this and were, were being encouraged to think about forgiveness and um, I, they asked us to, to pray and ask God to show us if there was someone we should forgive. And I closed my eyes and said, Lord, show me if there's someone to forgive. And I immediately had a picture straight away. And I was in the front of our church, and the, I was, it was a Sunday, and the congregation were all in front of me, all the congregation. And uh, I was preaching or doing something, and I was like, I could see myself from behind when I was doing something, and I could see all the congregation, and I'm, I knew that this was a picture from God. And I thought, well, God, that's brilliant. Show me now. I imagine like a spotlight now. That's what's going to happen now. A spotlight is going to come from heaven on the people that God is saying, Tim, come on, there's stuff that you still hold against them because of things they've said about you or done to you or not received your ministry or whatever. Um, And I waited for this searchlight, this spotlight to kind of show me the individual people. Nothing. Just this static picture of these people. Until it slowly dawns on me <laughs> that God is saying, actually, Tim, what you need to forgive is the whole congregation. <laughs> it's all of them. It's the mass. Because I had been saying, Lord, why have you brought us to this church? Oh, Lord, get me out of this church. Lord, why did you bring me here? I'm so feeling so... so. It was a, it was a challenging time for us, wasn't it? It really was. And it wasn't that all the individuals had done things for us, but in my own mind, it had just become, it's the whole darn lot of you. And, and I, I basically made a list. And I went through the church family list, and I named every person before God and said, I choose to forgive. And it started me on a pathway that's led to the teaching we're bringing you. So we've, we've, we've had to do this, and we still have to do it. Yeah, my memory of the first um, time that we started to, I call it radical forgiveness because I think I knew a long time ago that forgiveness was part of the deal. But um, when our friends from the States were with us, um, they made it quite clear that it was a lot more radical than I ever thought, um, the kind of forgiveness they had in mind. And we stood in Tim's study with them and they were so loving, actually, so loving with us. They didn't judge us, but they said, now you're going to have to forgive those people who've hurt you in church. Um, 
And we were there really quite a long time, actually, because... Hours. Yeah, we named a lot of people. You went to bed. I was just half... I was only halfway done. <laughs> but it was... We named quite a lot of people, um, and some of the things that they'd done were quite trivial, but they'd upset us. Some of the things were actually quite hurtful, really. But one by one by one, we... we we were led in a prayer by these, these American pastors. We were led in a prayer of forgiveness. And as we did it, we were just crying and crying. We stood there for hours crying as we let go of the pain and injustice of the things that people had said to us and the, pe the ways people had treated us. Um, and it started there, and it's now become for me a pattern where I, I do it much more quickly. Um, and um, I'm aware, much more alert to that, that feeling that I'm holding something against somebody. We, we said last week that listening to God is sometimes about listening to ourselves and re recognizing the, the symptoms, if you like. No, I know, no, I know that's unforgiveness. I've come to recognize that's how I, that's the telltale sign for me. It'll be different for each one of us, but learn to listen to that inner voice because it's telling you that's unforgiveness. Particularly when you actually want to avoid somebody, that's a really good indication. <laughs> um, and when you want to withhold, um, forgive, unforgiveness makes us withhold our blessing from somebody else. It means that you don't want to encourage them. It means you don't want to greet them that you want to hide somewhere else. And that temptation should tell you something's not right here and to go and do something about it. Not there and then, but quietly in the secret place with God and deal with it. And um, so I, I could tell you loads of stories of people, individuals that I have forgiven both then and in subsequent um, times, because it, it, I think it, it, it's just part of being in the world, isn't it, that, it, that people are going to upset you. They might mean to, or they might not have meant to, but either way, I've been offended. So, um, do you want me to tell any stories, or should we stop yeah, there? Yeah, tell, tell us a story, Jan. Um, a true one. A church one, or... Um, I, I don't mind. Yes, absolutely. Don't tell them that story. Yeah, absolutely. I was saying to somebody, uh, my, was it you, Flick? I was saying to somebody, it has changed actually our marriage relationship for the good because I used to kind of find myself when something, you know, which normally happens within a normal family, you know, something that bothers you, and it would you just kind of hold it and feel grumpy about it. I'm much more quickly now just just not. I'm not going to stay with that anymore. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, definitely makes a big difference in day-to-day -day family life, I would say. You know, it might be your children. It might be your husband. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we, really, we really, I think it's important that we live our lives openly with each other. And I'd, but I'd very happily, on a one-to-one, -one, we'd happily share with you a little bit more personally. Probably being recorded and going on the World Wide Web, we might... <laughs> Not I'm aware to. of that, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing about it, of course, is that you don't tell them 
that you've forgiven them. That's really important. Because, because forgiveness isn't about them, it's about you. One of our, one of our favorite stories, I said it, we, we, we need to encourage each other in this. Um, and um, one, of the, one of the most powerful stories that encourages me and helps me to forgive others um, is a, a story that you, you may well know it, but it's a, a story that I think is profoundly impacting of us. Um, I'm trying to find my notes for it here. Um, I don't know if you, um, you've seen this picture. It's the... It's, yeah, this, so this picture... This picture here is the, um, it's the most um, duplicated photograph in the world. The girl in the picture is uh, Kim Fook. And that previous slide, actually, that previous one, that's, that's, that's her village. It's just been bombed uh, by uh, the Allies uh, in Vietnam. And uh, Kim, the girl in the centre of the photo, uh, she's just lost uh, most of her cousins uh, literally just 10 minutes after that before that photo was taken. It was taken by a photographer called Nick Oot. And uh, he takes a reel of film. This was the second to the last one that he took. He then takes the girl and the boy in the front, he takes them to hospital. Um, the boy in the front doesn't make it. Kim makes it, they've been burned with napalm, and uh, she's got 90% burns on her body. Most people will not survive, but Kim Fook does survive. Um, Kim Fook um, gets adopted um, by a family. Uh, she eventually goes to school and goes to medical school, and in her second year, in medical school in Saigon, she, she becomes a Christian. This next one is Kim today. And she talks in her testimony. She talks about forgiveness. She talks about how difficult it was to forgive. She still has um, the scars all over her body. She's, she's in pain every day. That's, that, that's her back today. That's, that's the effect of napalm. And she describes in her book, I mean, it'll make you cry if you read it. She says, she says, napalm is powerful, but not as powerful as the love and forgiveness of God. And she talks about how bit by bit she had to try to forgive the people that had bombed her town and killed her family. She talks about the struggle. She says it took her years to fully realize that she felt she was free of it completely, but she kept on offering forgiveness and asking others to help her to release the debt owed to her by the people that had done this to her. And this next one, she uh, became married, and um, that's her um, baby. Um, and the next slide, this is um, Kim uh, speaking. She teaches now all over the world. And she has this illustration, which is the next one. So she talks about uh, unforgiveness being like this big blackness that's inside you. And she talks about Jesus wanting to take it away and how we have to become like a, a clear glass that's cleansed. And she says that releasing forgiveness to others has enabled her to be cleansed on the inside. And I look at Kim and I think, you know what, if she can do it, I can have a go. I find these things so inspiring. Listening to her talk several years ago uh, was a man called John Plummer. John Plummer was one of the people who had coordinated the, ra the, ra the air raids on the town of Trang Bang, her town. All his life, he had felt mortified since he'd seen the picture. The picture. And if you want to read Kim's book, it's called The Girl in the Picture. 
It's an unbelievable book, um, just packed full of the mercy of God. Um, and she describes um, meeting this man. John Plummer had become an alcoholic. He was wrapped up with guilt. He, he felt himself somehow personally responsible for what had happened. Although he was only a part of a planning uh, exercise, he wasn't the pilot that dropped the bombs, but he felt that somehow the weight of this picture was weighted on him. He felt he was responsible. He'd been a part of that. And it wrecked his life, it wrecked his marriage, it wrecked his job, he became an alcoholic. At one point he trained for the Methodist ministry, he thought if I can be a pastor I'll somehow do good for God and it'll make up for what I did. But eventually he went to hear Kim speaking at the Veterans Day, a Veterans Day uh, rally, uh, and she was talking about the need for forgiveness. And um, he wrote, John Plummer writes in his biography, that he passed a note to a National Park Service policeman at the memorial service and said, would it be possible to have a chance to meet with this woman, Kim Fook, after the ceremony? And the policeman and another friend helped to facilitate a meeting. There were hundreds of people there, thousands of people there, but they managed to push him through until he is finally face-to-face with uh, Kim Fook. And he writes, um, I was weeping and saying over and over, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And she was saying, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. And he writes, the entire world was lifted off my shoulders in that moment. I was free. And Kim Fook writes, we became good friends. It was truly a reconciliation. If she can do it. I can do it. If they can do it, I can have a go, at least. Because this is the command of Jesus, to free us from the the unhelpful bond that's created when I hold on to unforgiveness. And in order to increase in me the capacity to receive and benefit from the forgiveness and the joy and the peace which we long for. There's another picture, actually, I think, of that's that's the John Plummer with uh, Kim Fook. True reconciliation just before we uh, go into groups, the principles of forgiveness, um, a realistic honesty. Ask for revelation of the Holy Spirit to show you areas of anger and bitterness in your heart. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Not to be self-indulgent, not to spend time dreaming up things that might have been. God will surface them if we genuinely want to be free from unforgiveness and bitterness. Embrace emotional honesty. Dare to see the anger and bitterness. You would much prefer not to be there. Name the sin of the person, the sin of the person done against you. Don't minimise it. Call it by its real name. It was betrayal. It was abuse. It was manipulation. It was rejection. It was hatred. It was um, selfishness, prejudice. There are four key attitudes in us that resist granting forgiveness. Vengeance says, but I want them to pay. I'll forgive them when they pay. When they say they're sorry, then I'll forgive them. If they see what they did to me, then I'll forgive. But forgiveness isn't about them. It's about me. Forgiveness is about my heart. You may never be able to forgive some of the people that you have been hurt by. Some of them will have died. Some of them will no longer be here. 
self-justification. I'll forgive when they change. I'm entitled to be angry. Yes, we are entitled to be angry. We are. But we sing it, don't we? I'm laying down my rights. Yes, I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be furious. I have a right to seek vengeance, but I'm laying down my rights. Isn't that what Christians do? We lay down our rights for the sake of the one who laid down his rights and gained an everlasting crown, and I lay down my rights that I might gain the resurrection power of Jesus. That's how it goes. Boys, it hurts. Boys, it's amazing. It's fantastic when we can do it because it releases this resurrection power into our lives. Self-pity, the victim minds. It's too painful to forgive. You can't expect me to forgive. I can't just let it go. Do you remember Corey Ten Boom said, can he just think I can erase that injustice simply by asking for it? And those attitudes in us will um, resist granting forgiveness. Oh, the self-righteousness, I'm in the right. I've got a right to justice. Um, yes, we have rights, but we've chosen for the greater benefit and good to lay them down. Um, Common misunderstandings about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not pretending that the injustice never happened. Forgiveness isn't about pretending the past didn't happen. It isn't about forgetting it. It isn't about the other person saying sorry for it, and it does not mean you have to feel love for the offender. It may be right in some circumstances, in some injustices, that you put a very large distance between yourself and the person that did whatever they did to you. There are good and practical reasons why it is sometimes a relationship is toxic. And you think, well, doesn't Jesus heal that? Well, yeah, what he does, he heals your heart. That's why forgiveness is about you. It doesn't mean you have to then fall madly in love with the person that did it. It might actually be very wise to cool the relationship. It might actually be wise to put a lot of distance between you. But you still deal with the attitude in your heart. It frees you. I'm not responsible for saving them. And I'm not responsible for pointing out what's wrong in their lives. Jesus will do that. There'll be an accounting. They'll, they'll, They'll give an account for what they did. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Let me deal with that. You deal with your heart. That's how it goes. It doesn't mean you have to feel love for the offender. You don't have to tell them. Don't, don't tell them, you've, I just want you to know, I've forgiven you. If you do have a relationship with that person, demonstrate your forgiveness by your actions. Demonstrate forgiveness by the fruit of it. You don't need to um, necessarily say to them. Now, of course, there may be occasions when that's the right thing to do because, you know, to, to say, look, I'm, I, I forgive you. Of course there might. But I'm just saying it's not necessary. It's not a vice. It, it may not be the necessary thing to do. Forgiveness is your heart's attitude towards the other. But it does mean cancelling the debt that that person owes you for their cruelty or injustice or whatever it was. The debt signifies that which the person should have done or said according to God's standards of truth and love. We cancel the debt, placing the person into the Lord's hands and let them deal with them. Does God want you to forgive someone? I think this is the journey that we all have to make Sometimes we need to forgive ourselves. Um, I I know people have different views on this. I don't really mind. I don't want to get into semantics. I think we do sometimes need to forgive ourselves, but I don't think we have the power always to forgive ourselves. What it means is we, we need to give ourselves permission 
to receive God's forgiveness of ourselves. Um, there's only semantics, I know, but sometimes the issue is we need to forgive ourselves. We've let ourselves down, and we feel angry and unforgiving towards ourselves. But in reality, I think that's about um, deeply receiving God's forgiveness for us and allowing that to become my defining narrative, not my own regrets and my own um, self-regrets of what I've done. Um, sometimes we need to forgive God. Not because, of course, God has done anything wrong, but we believe or feel that he has. Um, and you'd be surprised how many people are furious with God. Um, you'd be surprised how many vicars have been furious with God. You may uh, find that there's one not so far away from you. Because at times, you just think, God, why did you let this happen to me? And what I've learned is that God is really very secure. He can take it. The one thing God can't take, actually, is being ignored. He doesn't mind you shouting. He doesn't mind you being angry. He doesn't mind you railing and ranting. He cares far more when I ignore him, when I turn away and say, right, I'm done with this. God says, no, don't have done with it. Come on, shout at me. Let's have it out. God and man at table are sat down. Thrash it out, says God. Let's have this out together. huh? Because I love you too much to let you turn away. We have to deal sometimes with how we feel about God. Why did he let this happen? And for some of you, maybe even tonight, it, it's God we're releasing. Because remember, unforgiveness, is, it doesn't necessarily mean that the other person meant to do it or intended to do it, or it might even be that you've taken it the wrong way. Forgiveness is about freeing your heart from the debt you think they owe you. God doesn't owe you any debt at all, but sometimes we think he does owe me. I sometimes say, God, you owe me for this. God says, well, I don't really, but I know how you feel. Um, how about some forgiveness? So that's sometimes an issue. In our groups, we've got some questions. I'm going to put them on the screen here. Let's take a bit of time, and then we're going to do an exercise in forgiveness, and we're going to do some praying for one another. So um, in our tables, around our tables, uh, these are the questions that we're going to be looking at. Okay, folks, let's, um, folks. <laughs> Seems somehow appropriate to have arrived at this, um, this topic in Holy Week, um, because I think it's very... Obviously, it's very um, topical, thinking as we are about the sacrifice of Jesus and his forgiveness on the cross. So I'm glad it worked out that this was out last week. Um, what we've tried to do is to share with you some of the principles, and a lot of it's been in notes, and we've tried to, to, to model and demonstrate how we, we pray and how we minister. But at the same time, it's been a bit of a snapshot over six weeks um, and you may think, gosh, it's been a bit like trying to get a drink from a fire hydrant. You know, the fire just is literally just... <laughs> and how can I take it all in? And I, I wanted to encourage you that with re the reason we put it out in the notes is so that you've got it there. And also, this stuff will out outworks itself in the years to come. I really believe this is a foundation because I believe that we are on a mission and somebody in our group said, you know, it's not, it, used to be, it used to be go and tell, but now it's show and tell. If we don't demonstrate in our own lives a life that has risen above the common life that other people are experiencing, what life 
are we offering? And I think churches, we often want to go with a message, but we need to go with a heart. We need to go with the right spirit. We need, to, we need to be living the free life. If we're saying to people, Jesus sets you free, it's no good having the message if we're not living that in our own lives. And so um, I'm aware these last six weeks, I'm amazed you've stuck it, actually, because I was talking to my mentor on Monday, I Skype them regularly, and, and they were saying, how's it going? And I'd say, well, you know, it's full-on stuff. I mean, it's pretty, this is, you know... This is the stuff of gritty discipleship, but it's just amazing the way you start with it. So I'm really encouraged um, that you've wanted to go with this. And if there are still things you think, oh, I don't know if I quite get this, I want to encourage you. I think, um, I think it, you'll find it comes right. Um, none of this is Tim and Jan's take on this. This is, this is all out. This stuff is all out there. We've put it together in a particular format, but it's all out there. Um, a lot of this is rooted in St. Augustine. A lot of it's rooted in the fathers. Um, you can find um, in, in the great spiritual writers of the past, all this is the stuff that they write about. We've just pulled it together in one overpowering six-week course. Um, and I've been a bit reluctant, as I've as I said, I've been a bit reluctant to put, to put prayers out, be, only because I don't want to make you think it's a liturgical pattern, that just the prayer is some magic formula. I know that you know it isn't. But I have put the prayer out because I do appreciate it's difficult to pray a prayer, that you, you don't know how to pray it if you don't know what you're going to be asked to say. So um, this is just, this is how we have found it best to do. If you have got other ways or different ways, absolutely great. This is not the only way or the definitive way. All I can share with you is a way that we found helpful when we've been praying with other people through issues of forgiveness. And um, what we would do, and we're going to do in a few moments, are we going to ask the Lord to show us if there is somebody that comes to mind, he wants to bring to mind to forgive. We don't go around digging too much. Let the Lord just bring to mind a name that may come. It may surprise you. You may think, well, it was only a little thing. I didn't, didn't really think it was a big thing. But the fact that you remember it, um, it probably means that God is just using that as an example for you to, to practice, because it's a discipline that we practice. And what we found helpful um, is, first of all, to acknowledge before God the sin that was done against me, and we name it. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge to you today the sin done against me by, and in our prayer, we name the person. Not to shame them, but because we just need to be realistic and honest because this person or, or whatever, it's a real person and they've done something. And then the way we've learned to do it, but again, if you, this is how we do it. We imagine in our mind's eye that we are addressing the person. We get in our mind's eye a picture of them in our mind. And we address them in prayer, but we're in it as it were, we're addressing them. And we say, what you did to me was wrong and it was sinful. I hoped that you would have treated me differently. And you put this in your own words. I had a right to expect that you would have loved me. I had a right to expect that you would have put me before yourself. I had a right to expect that you would have cared for me. I had a right to expect that you would have told the truth about me. And I've held you in debt because of what you did. And you owe me because of what you did. But you can't pay me back, so here's what I'm choosing to do. I'm tearing up the bill of payment. I'm ripping it up. I choose to do this. I own the debt. It's my debt. You owe me, and it's mine to forgive. So I'm, I'm 
ripping it up. I choose today to cancel the debt you owe me. I release you from my judgment. I forgive you. I sever the soul tie of unforgiveness towards you. You owe me nothing. You are released from your debt. I choose to rise up and transcend your sin and move on in my life in obedience to my God. And we address the person in our mind's eye and it's the act of loosing them. You're releasing them. And then we need to pray to God. Father, I repent of my own anger and bitterness and I receive your forgiveness for my unforgiveness. I declare your victory over the spirit of anger, bitterness, resentment. I refuse to give them any place in my heart. You may want to exercise your authority, break the, 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 the power because of unforgiveness is an empowered place in our hearts to take authority over the power of it. Having set my mind towards mercy and forgiveness, I ask for your empowering presence to help me to do this. I ask you to heal and restore me. And I commit to replacing destructive thought patterns, not patterns, I don't know why I said that, um, with your love, mercy and forgiveness. Amen. Um, <laughs> it's quite a nice phrase though, isn't it? Thought patterns. You know, it's good. Could, could catch on. Um, and it's, it's not a, a magical incantation, but it's something along those lines, or in your own words. And I, all of us are doing this. This isn't just one or two of us. We're, all of us have people we need to forgive. Sometimes it's a situation that we need to forgive. Sometimes it's a thing that doesn't necessarily reside in an individual's action, but it was a set of circumstances. You have to adapt it, but the principle is the same. The principle is the same. I had such a difficult time at theological college. I railed against having to sort of learn theology because I just wanted to get on with it and do the practical stuff and get out there and minister and do stuff. And I really found it difficult. And three or four years later... Um, I, I, I would never speak well, you know, oh, where did you train for the ordained ministry? And, oh, you wouldn't want to go there. You know, I went there. You know. <laughs> and um, I must have been like that for about 12 years. <laughs> and um, God spoke to me about my attitude to my theological college. And I'll just tell you this before we pray. I... I had to choose to forgive. Because it wasn't any one person, because some of you were really good. I had to choose to forgive them, to forgive this college. You know, in your mind's eye, I have this building and I'm forgiving it. But I'm forgiving the institution. And I did this in a prayer, because I felt that I should stop speaking against it. And do you know what? The next, this is honest, 12 years, the next day, the principal of the college phoned up and asked me if I'd go and speak. at the chapel service. And I did. And it was a reconciliation. Shall we stand? When it comes to the blank, that's just because only you can insert the person, place, or uh, situation. And of course, we're praying this silently. We're praying that bit silently. The rest of it, we're going to say out loud. But that bit, <laughs> we're saying silently. Because <laughs> I'm not secure enough to hear Tim whispered under people's breath. <laughs> so, so we say it silently. And remember, 
because in any case, it's not about the other person. This is about freeing my heart. Remember, this isn't, in a way, we're releasing them, but we're also saying, Lord, I'm sorry that I, after all I've been forgiven, how could I not forgive this person? So first of all, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, um, in, this may feel somewhat artificial, but I pray that for some of us this will be a, a really meaningful transaction now where we're making a choice. It's not a feeling, it's a choice based on what we know to be your will. We're left in no doubt about what your will for us is. And we know the promised land of joy and peace that you long for us when we can come to a place of forgiveness. It's what you long for us to have. And so we're praying this evening that you will show us, bring to mind now a person, a situation that we need to forgive, something where we're aware of stirred up feelings and um, resentments and disappointments and frustrations, even anger, even bitterness fury. Lord, would you, would you show us in this safe place here among friends, would you just surface in us now to our minds a particular person or situation that we still need to release forgiveness? If you'd like to, let's pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge to you today the sin done against me. What you did to me was wrong, and it was sinful. I hoped that you would have treated me differently. I have held you in debt because of what you did. But here's what I choose to do today. I cancel the debt you owe me. I release you from my judgment. I forgive you. I sever the soul tie of unforgiveness towards you. You owe me nothing. You are released from your debt. I choose to rise up and transcend your sin and move on in my life in obedience to my God. Let's pray. Father, I repent of my own anger and bitterness and I receive your forgiveness. I declare your victory over the spirit of anger, bitterness, resentment, and I refuse to give them any place in my heart. Having set my mind towards mercy and forgiveness, I ask for your empowering presence to help me do this, and I ask you to heal and restore me. I commit to replacing destructive thought patterns 
with your love, mercy, and forgiveness. Amen. And as we're praying, we're going to wait because some of us have been sinned against and we carry the wounds. And you can release forgiveness, but God wants to restore you. And I had the sense tonight that some have carried things for quite a long time. Serious injustices, things that were said against you, people who almost deliberately misunderstood you in order to make a case against you. And it was unfair, and it's unjust, and it's wrong. And I think you want to forgive them. And I think you're doing your best to forgive them. I think you prayed this for them. But I think God wants to come and and bring some healing where there's been a deep woundedness, where your credibility has been called into question. And I believe God wants to do some restoring. And we're just going to wait, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and do that in the hearts of whoever he wants to do it. So, Father, um, I want to thank you that Christ Church is going to be a place of forgiveness. This is going to be a church where we demonstrate what it means to absorb the pain, absorb the cost, and we're going to radically forgive. And this is going to be such a beacon. People are going to see the freedom that we have and say, well, how do you get that? How do you, how do you experience that? And it's because we're living a life of forgiveness. Father, I pray this will be a place where sins are forgiven, where injustices can be released and loosed and the effects of them can be healed through forgiveness. And Father, I pray for my friends. I pray for these wonderful brothers and sisters. I I pray that, that you will come and do some restoration, that you will bring your Holy Spirit to bear upon our lives where space has been made in our hearts through forgiveness, where through the act of forgiveness, through the positioning of our hearts in forgiveness, We're now beckoning the restoring power of Jesus into our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd bring it now. Bring it in power upon those that you want to deeply minister to. Holy Spirit, come with a restoring healing. Just wait. Let the Holy Spirit come. Don't resist him. Just let him do what he wants to do. And I say... Almost every time we pray on a Sunday, that it's such a privilege to pray. And, you know, you'll pray for me, and we want to pray for you. And right now, the best way for us to do that is, I know that you've positioned your heart in forgiveness, but you, 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 you need and you want to receive the healing that needs to come as well. You're positioned in forgiveness, but you need to receive the healing. And if you know that that's what you, you need to receive, that you know God wants you to receive it, if you, if you want to just to sort of indicate with a hand, we're just going to get around you, we're going to pray. Because you've been wounded, but God wants to restore you. You've positioned yourself in forgiveness. Now there's nothing standing in the way. God wants to come in power with restoring healing. And we'd love just to pray the power of God to come in, upon your life and begin that work tonight. So if that's something you think, yeah, I I have forgiven, but I need to receive the healing for it. I'm not going to ask anything about what it's for. We just let God do that, but we just want to pray. So if you want to just indicate, some people got a hand up, and now I need people who feel, I think I'm okay with this right now, then I need you to find the people who are putting a hand up. 
you pray over them and you pray with faith and you pray with the power and the authority that God has given you and you welcome the the healing presence of the Spirit to come and you pray with conviction and faith because you know that the Spirit is going to come and make good in their hearts and lives what they've set their heart to do. So um, move move it around if you need to. But you just, just, just put a hand up if... You just keep it up until someone's praying with you. Keep your hand up until someone's praying. Now, Holy Spirit, I'm just praying that you come. Would you come in power to the, touch the lives of our friends? Jesus. And those of you that aren't, just, just stand in a place of prayer. Just silently pray for those that are being ministered to. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, you promise to fill our hearts. You said that, that your power would be at work in us and that when we position our hearts towards you, you come to us, draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. Father, that is your promise in your word, and I pray that now for every one of my friends now. I pray that will be their experience. As they come close to you, they've positioned their hearts in repentance of, for unforgiveness. They're seeking to live in that place of forgiveness. Now, would you come, Father, and break off them Every chain that has been placed on them through this injustice, through this um, thing that was done against them, the things that were said against them, would you lift it off them and break the power of it in the name of Jesus? And Father, would you enable your restoring healing to flow into their spirit, into their heart? In the name of Jesus. So let it come. Let it come. Let it come. That's it. Let it go. Jesus. Just like for some of you, this is beautiful transaction going on. Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, do what you promised. Holy Spirit, be among us. We love it when you restore and heal. We love it when you empower our choices. When we set our minds in the right way. We love how you come and empower us to do the very thing that we've set our hearts to do. We move into grace where the empowering presence of God is enabling us to be what you want us to be and to do what you want us to do. Lord, we come in humility. We've been so proud, thinking that we were owed. But Lord, actually, we've been forgiven so much. In humility, we return to that center of grace. I want to be who you want me to be. And I want to do what you want me to do. Let your grace come. Empower us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. As the week goes on, maybe, of something that perhaps we haven't been aware of tonight, but the Holy Spirit is, is going to continue to reveal situations, maybe institutions like Tim described, or individuals, injustices that have happened, maybe for some of us a really long time ago. And God is going to be speaking. And we need to just be listening, just to have soft hearts. So just let me pray for, for all of us. Lord, you know that in this world, 
there is trouble. There are so many things that can lodge in our hearts, injustices, unkindnesses, things that have been done against us and things that should have been done but haven't been done. Love that we should have received that we didn't. And you know every single one of them. You haven't missed any of them. You've wept as you have seen us suffering. And we pray, Lord, that you, this work that you have begun this evening, you will continue. We choose to have soft hearts. Soften our hearts, Lord, that we may hear and respond to that whisper of your spirit prompting us and showing us events and things that we need to forgive in this coming week and in the weeks ahead because lord we want to be set free we want to be free we want to enjoy what you have done for us on the cross but it may have the full impact that you yes, Lord, planned and right. intended it to have. And that your joy may be our joy afresh as we enjoy walking in freedom. And we pray that this will happen as we walk with you in the coming days and weeks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, I pray for your blessing on us as we, as we go. I thank you again for this, just this wonderful church. Lord, I just so pray your blessing over us, your blessing over this, this place, this community. Lord, what an amazing community it is. And Father, I thank you for all that we're learning. And I want to pray over this Easter period that, as Jan said, that as... as as we go through the Easter and the events of Easter, tomorrow, Maundy Thursday, and then Good Friday, and the message of the cross, and then Easter Day, the message of resurrection and new life. Father, on every one of these occasions, I pray that you just continue to bring to mind those things that might need forgiveness, that what's begun tonight will just continue and be a process that will go on in our lives, that it will set us on a pathway of forgiveness. We'll be doing this in 30 years' time, just that we'll get better at doing it. <laughs> Um, and Lord, I pray your blessing on us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, many of us are here tomorrow night. We're here on Good Friday morning, Good Friday afternoon. We'd love to pray. If something has touched you, and I recognize that some of this goes quite deeply into our lives, we're not unaware that this touches us quite profoundly. Do come and talk to us. We'll pray. Any one of these services, there'll be people here. We'll pray. We'll pray for you. So over the Easter period, take the opportunity to let us pray. Do the work of forgiveness and may God bless you.